Hey, Elliot. Hey, Brian. What's the talk of the table? Today, we're joined by two incredible designers for Zine Month who are creating a couple original games I want to tell you about. The first is B. Marsolier with 100% Modern Ghosts, and then Luke Earl joins us to talk about the field agent handbooks. Today, we are sitting down with B. Marsolier to talk about her new game, 100% Modern Ghosts. Welcome to the table. How are you? Good. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So much for being here. So 100% Modern Ghost, can you give us the elevator pitch to start? Yes, I can. So this scene is a humorous horror journaling scene, and it's about this organization called the Bureau of Occult Observation. And they endeavor to document and collect evidence of 100% Modern Ghosts. So in the universe of the zine, each ghost is submitted to the Bureau by their researchers for vetting and approval and further testing. And I kind of cast readers in the role of Bureau members and ask them to document their own experiences with these 100% modern ghosts. Outside of kind of the lore of the zine, what it is is a journaling zine. However, some of the ghosts are playable solo just through journaling prompts. And some of them ask you to follow some instructions, play a game, and document your outcomes. So, you know, some of them are solo and some of them are playable for anywhere from like two to five, but you could probably squeeze even more in if you're feeling uh, wild. Spooky. Every time you say the name, I just get a little smile on my face. So just like, <laughs> just keep saying 100% modern ghosts. and It's going to make more and more people back this game. It's and uh, the title. Bureau of uh, Occult Observation, what would that acronym be? <laughs> Thank you so much for asking that, Elliot. The acronym is BOO. Oh, wow! <laughs> BOO! Who would have thought? Um, Not me. <laughs> so is this your first game? It, it is. Yeah, this is my first game, my first zine, and my first time making a Twitter account and promoing myself. So this is a big old, like, debut. Welcome to the circus. <laughs> oh, man, you're really jumping in. I am curious. This is a question that we're asking everybody on this, and it might throw you for a curve, throw you for a loop. Obviously, people might know you from Planet Arcana, in which you've done a lot of things that I would say are akin to game design and you guys have done like original systems and things like that. And then with this game, I'm curious if you could sort of try to define your design ethos. Yeah, definitely. I think the foremost thing that I'm trying to do is to mythologize the mundane. And that's, I think, something that is present in every single one of the ghosts. But it's also, you know, it has elements of LARP to it. Like a lot of these ask that you you know, really buy in to believing that these ghosts are real. And that's kind of where the humor comes in as well, because I do want to make this like a safe thing to experience while also getting as as scary as you want to with these ghosts. I, I love the, the terminology of mythologizing the mundane. Like that really gets at the crux of what I'm excited about about this game. Yeah, well, me too. And it's also something I get excited about in other games. You know, I don't think that I've ever seen a game that like just sets out to do that. They probably exist, but a lot of the games that I love have that element in it. So, you know, Jay Stroutman's Contact, it, the mundane aspect of that is just making a playlist. So that was one of my inspirations. Actually, I just picked up Project Echo recently, 
And I think there's an element of it to like everybody's got these planners around and they're completely mundane items and you're going to turn it into something really frightening. And I think ultimately the number one goal I hope to accomplish is to make you feel like you're at a slumber party and you're 10 years old and somebody is like, let's play light as a feather, stiff as a board. Let's uh, let's crack out the Ouija board. Yeah. Can I tell you, I was always the kid who was terrified of those experiences as a kid. <laughs> like, like people would go to do it, and I'd be like, no, nah, well, but like, well, but what if we did something else? Like, what if we, what if we watched a movie or something? <laughs> so I, I remember when I was a kid, my my mom was religious, but wasn't like crazy religious. And at a certain point, I mentioned being, like, interested in tarot cards. Like, I just thought they were cool items. And I was like, what is this? And she got incredibly serious and looked at me, like, dead in the eye. I was like, if you want to invite the devil into your house, you will not use tarot cards. And it was, like, wildly out of character. Wildly out of oh character. Oh, my God. That's uh, – I so I some just relatives like didn't. that, too. <laughs> I was, it was like that Ouija boards. I was like, I, I can't touch them. My mama said no. I've had some scary experiences with Ouija boards. I honestly don't touch them anymore. Oh, so so this is inspired by a couple other games you just mentioned. What else is this game inspired by? Some real life experiences? Yeah, I think when I was sort of setting out to like define which ghosts were going to be in these volumes. Oh, that's something I haven't mentioned yet is that this was planned to be one volume. Scope creep happened. Now it will be two volumes that I will be uh, releasing at the same time, but each will stand alone. You don't need to get both. In any case, so when I was thinking about, you know, how far back this interest goes, I landed on the time in grade five when a couple of my friends and I, like, accidentally started this very in-depth R.L. Stein LARP. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Go on. We were reading <laughs> Cry of the Cat. <laughs> Which is about this undead evil cat with nine lives. And if it scratches you, it possesses you. And you start to, like, act up like a cat. And one night we were having a slumber party. And my friend was like, we were all reading this book and obsessed with it. And my friend was like, you guys, the other day I was walking home from school and this cat came out and scratched me. And I'm starting to feel funny. And it looked just like the cat from the book. And my other friend was like, oh, my God, that happened to me, too. And so, of course, I'm like, same, right? A hundred percent. And, like, our buy-in was complete. And for the next several months, and, in fact, until I moved away from that town, we would take it in turns to get possessed in class <laughs> by this cat. And the other two's job was to kind of, like, get the person who was possessed to a safe place and be like, Fight it, B. Come on, don't let it take over. And we'd be like <laughs> scratching and hissing. And like we've certainly gotten to a bit of trouble. I don't recommend going this deep into the into the buy-in. But none of us ever admitted that we were fool like, you know, fooling around. Maybe they, it actually happened to them. Who knows? Well, the first one it definitely actually happened to. The rest of you were just posters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. And reminds me of Something when I was a kid that I had forgotten about until you said that, where when I was like five to eight years old or like five to ten, me and my best friend at the time had a like, and I never thought to describe it as like a LARP with a lot of buy-in, but we had that, where there was this mythological figure that we called Scary Guy, <laughs> and 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 we would go around my house or his house, and we would like 
touch picture frames and be like, that was turned this way 10 minutes ago. It must have been Scary Guy. <laughs> and like for years, this was an activity we did where it was like Scary Guy was always just turning shit 10 degrees that in your house. Scary. That was his. Yeah, that was his whole thing. <laughs> I love Insidious, that. really. That makes me so happy that you had something like that, too. Yeah, yeah. I had forgotten until you just described this experience, and I was like, yep. Oh, my God. I'm hoping to hear about a lot of other people's experiences like that. That's that's another thing I'm interested in, too, is just hopefully people tell me about the modern ghosts that they discover. Because, I, you know, the Bureau hasn't found them all, so... <laughs> No. We got to find 100% of the modern ghosts. We have to ghosts. find 100% of them. We got to yeah. completionist this this thing. <laughs> so, two zines. You're funding both this this zine month. Yes, exactly. Um both are going to be 24 pages and both are going to contain three ghosts. So, among the three, there's going to be at least one ghost that you engage with solo through journaling and then at least one ghost that's multiplayer. And I do have some ghost examples. Oh, please. And Honestly, maybe you can tell me us. which one you want to hear about. Okay, so I have a little spiel prepared for the party ghost, the muse ghost, and the shadow ghosts. I like muse ghost. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm done for muse ghost. So muse ghost, that's the one that was actually inspired by contact and also inspired by just my habit of putting on like curated playlists whenever I need to make something. So whether I'm illustrating or writing, it's super helpful with writing. I'm like, oh, I need this scene to be so sad. So I'm getting my Debussy out, right? Like, And then the idea of like, what if we mess with that and we randomize it as much as possible and we allow the muse ghost to influence the piece of art that we make. So this game asks you to, with a bunch of different artists doing all kinds of different arts, maybe some people are drawing, maybe some people are writing, you each contribute to a playlist that's like randomly compiled. So you're not going to be familiar with all the music on it. And every time the song changes, you change something about the piece you're making. And then at a preset interval, you get up and you sit down and you start working on somebody else's piece. And by doing this, you invite the muse ghost in through the randomization. And uh, at the end of it, you kind of interpret the piece and go like, what was muse ghost trying to say? That's fun. That's very fun. Yeah. Um, I love so many ghosts. I think the other one, I do want to talk about party ghost because it's so fun. Hit us. So this one is inspired by like murder mysteries in general and Clue in particular because I wanted to have this game where... You can make big, campy villain speeches in front of your friends. Um, and the idea is that you host a party. Everyone understands that someone at the party is going to get murdered and other people at the party are going to be the murderers. And through various rounds of like voting, negotiating, denying culpability or making accusations, the murder victim will either discover who their murderers were or accuse an innocent and... Uh, and then everybody gives big, like, oh, I almost got away with it speeches. Or like, yeah, I did it and I do it again. Or like, how dare you accuse me, you know? And uh, and the the murder victim gets It's just to... all the endings of Clue. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Incredible. I feel like what this is, like, highlighting for me is this is – what's really cool about this project for people listening is that you're getting a variety of mechanics – 
depending on what ghost you're you're going after. Like each mechanic is meant to fit a different kind of ghost. Is that accurate? That's exactly it. Yeah, exactly. And some of them are more involved than others. And so I think I'm kind of trying to build like a tier system, one that's like very easy to get into, one that asks you to, you know, follow some instructions and then one that is actually scary for each one. Mm. Is that Shadow Ghost? No. Well, the Shadow Ghost could be scary, but the one I'm thinking about is The Stranger. And all I'll say about The The Stranger Stranger is that you should not read the entry. Don't read it. Don't read it. It's only there for posterity. If you read the entry, you are at risk of seeing The Stranger. Oh, no. Love that. I'm I'm scared by that sentiment. Oh, it's scary. Trust and believe. All right. All right, all right. <laughs> Just feels like something that should be wrapped up with like twine and be like, don't, don't enter. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and there's disclaimers and everything. Yeah, and then there's there's even one that asks you to kind of learn like a, a parlor trick. You like relight a candle using the vapor. It's kind of tricky. I'm going to try to illustrate it oh, to demonstrate it. But... I have I have seen that before. Yeah, I've never done it, but I've seen that you can. Yeah, kind of do that. it's deceptively yeah. easy. Is that the thing? Where you like pull it off and you kind of like do that? You have to blow the candle out and as the smoke rises, you hold a lit flame into the trail of smoke and it jumps from the smoke back to the wick and relights the candle like magic. Oh, interesting. That's fun. You didn't know about that, Brian? Magician Brian? I know. You'd think I would. You'd think. (laughs) So, B, I'm curious, where are you funding? When are you funding? And why Zine Month? I am funding on Kickstarter. My Kickstarter launches officially on February 13th. And Zine Month, uh, safety in numbers? There's something comforting about doing something with a whole bunch of other people and, um, you know, mutual support and inspiration. And then, you know, uh, people to commiserate with along the way because, boy, I, you know... (laughs) Jay released a couple of zines last year and they were like, you you don't know, you have no idea what this is going to do to you. And I was like, yeah, I know, I saw you go through it. And then I did it and, oh, baby, like it's fun. But every time I think I've got control of something, I have like five other things that I realize I've lost the thread of. But yeah, that was January. That's why it's good to have friends who've done it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And now that I'm entering February, I'm a pro. I'm great. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) This is also just like a great month. It's like restaurant week in New York where it's the time of year when people are like really excited to try new things. Yeah, what's up what's up with February? Yeah, Brian used the phrase buffet of new games a earlier, which I liked a lot. Of new games. Yeah, it's 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 the time of year when you want to like get the sampler platter and like try something new. Whereas like a lot of the other times of the year you want to play you want something familiar, but when there's all of a sudden a huge buffet laid out in front of you, you're like, yeah, sure, I'll try that little that thing that's a little spicier than I usually eat. That thing that's a little creamier than I usually eat. Ooh, what's that weird soup over there? <laughs> it's gazpacho. Yeah, 100% modern ghost is the weird soup. <laughs> I was going to say, are you the creamier, the spicier, I'm or the, the weird soup? I'm the soup, for sure. <laughs> I'm the soup. Oh, that's very good. Do you have anything planned from throughout the Kickstarter, like any, like, are you doing any events? Can people get a demo at some point? Are you doing like a podcast episode, anything like that people could be on the lookout for? Um, I'm trying to keep things pretty, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for that won't make me sound lazy? Constrained? Um, no. <laughs> That's efficient. A ba- efficient. Yeah. Efficient and 
you know, within my grasp to accomplish. So I do plan on putting out like a couple of spreads so that people can get the idea of like the lore of the thing, like how I'm presenting them through the bureau. And then also like a sample game so that there's an idea of how you could engage in this with your friends. I'm also going to be posting like a few sample journaling prompts along with some of the artwork. I'll be illustrating this. Aside from that, I'm just going to cross my fingers, have a shot of rye and deny, deny, deny. <laughs> and then for people who want to back the game, what are the different reward tiers? Like what can people get if they if they back this game? So I've got a couple tiers for just like the digital copy. You can get volume one by itself or volume two by itself, or you can get the bundle. And then I'm going to be making physical versions of the zines as well in the same kind of format. You can get number one, number two, or both together. Do you have a team working with you or is this is this kind of you're riding solo? I think on paper it appears that I'm riding solo, but, you know, there's going to be a pretty beefy acknowledgments and thank you page at the back. You know, specifically my like ride or die Jay Stroutman has been absolutely clutch and not only helping me get this together, but keeping me... Uh, confident and excited about what I'm doing. And so, yeah, big shout out and thank you to you, Jay. They're also an amazing game designer, and I'm so lucky to have their input. And I've sent off an advanced copy to a handful of people as well. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I do have a lot of support. I'm very lucky. But I think on paper, it's it's a B. Marsolier production. This being your your first game, what did you find like throughout the process of making it and like getting ready to start up this Kickstarter, has there have there been any like big lessons that you've learned or things that were harder than you thought, easier than you thought? Like what 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 have you learned over the past two or three months? Oh, how many accounts I need to sign up for? That's like the practical thing where I was mm. like, okay, I need a Kickstarter, an itch, and then you know I think at this point I've generated like eighteen accounts on different things. This is like also kind of partly due to the fact that I wasn't really active on social media before. That's been my biggest challenge because, um, yeah, social media to me is kind of a modern ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I really enjoy engaging with it as a voyeur, um, but there is kind of like a psychic toll to being like, this is my, this is a thing, it's mine, it represents me, and I'm presenting it as me, please love me. <laughs> please love me. Please like me. Please say nice things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the, 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 the horror of being perceived, but that also is accompanied with a lot of excitement and yeah, I'm excited to push myself in this way. It's good to have you on social media. Thank Welcome. you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so good at it. Have you found any, like, as you've been putting this together, are there any favorite parts of either of the two zines that are kind of stand out things that you'd want to shout out everyone has those little like picadillos of things where they're like people might not notice this but this is my favorite bit i think it's probably the stranger um well we can't read that i know one. We're not allowed i know to read i'm that trying one. to figure and out I, what i can say i fear if you tell us about it that we're also in danger well you will be absolutely and you should be um there's a lot of uh secret autobiographical details in this. So I think I'm most attached to those things that are like directly connected to something that I experienced. So actually, um, the bodyguard is a really good example. And a quick summary of that is just 
you invite a common bedroom ghost into your teddy bear and it guards you in your sleep. That's something I did when I was a kid because I was so scared of everything in my bedroom (laughs) and, uh, you know, had a hard time sleeping some nights. I had my back like completely pressed up against the wall because I was convinced that I needed to have like all corners covered. And like, I just had enough one day. So I did this thing with my teddy bear and I was like, listen, inhabit my teddy bear and you can do all the scaring you want in the opposite directions. You're going to scare all the other ghosts and I'm going to feel safe. And it worked like 100% that modern ghost was effective. And, uh, you know, so those little pieces of my actual coping mechanisms and yeah, semi-autobiographical details, that's the stuff that I'm most attached to. It just reminded me that present day Brian, current Brian, uh, Abby and I, my fiance and I have, have two cats and they always sleep one at the head of our bed, one at the foot of our bed. And so we always say the one at the foot is doing foot protects and the one at the head is doing head protects. And so we're covered on all sides. And it's a goofy thing we say, but it does make me feel very protected and warm. Yeah, because your uh-huh. cats are actually protecting your feet and head for sure. Apparently, a thing I learned is that when you're sleeping, cat, like the, part of the reason why cats sleep so much in the mornings is that they're like kind of protect, like they're sleeping less soundly because oh they're like god. watching out for you while you are fully <laughs> unconscious. Oh my god! And then that's why they're so sleepy in the morning because that's their real sleep because we're it. doing this. I'm gonna cry. That's you can't so tell sweet. Me that. <laughs> it makes me look at my boys and I'm just like, oh, you sweet baby boys. You're like you rest up. Angels. You deserve it. Rest up, rest up, kid. Yeah, Thank I you. will stay on vigil tonight. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh wow. I, I, those were just those were just two real big heartwarming things. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm just kind of melting a little bit now. Um, <laughs> I also was scared. I was also scared of my own bedroom as a kid. I felt I, I used to do the my bed was in the corner and I used to shove myself as far as possible into that corner so that I could. And I used to do this thing where I would cocoon my blanket over my head so just my face was showing because I thought yes. if the top of my head was covered, that was safer as well. That's a classic move. I did that too. Wow. That's so wild. It's because your head was safer that way. My head was safer. Yeah. They yeah, can't absolutely. see you through the blanket. Yeah. So beyond real life experiences, are there any other games that you would shout out as sort of mechanical inspirations or thematic or otherwise? So I've already mentioned Contact by Jay Stroutman. Um, another game that was really influential is This Discord Has Ghosts in It by Will Yopes. And I think the very first indie game that I ever played was Anamnesis by Sam Lee. Uh, That's another one that kind of probably first planted the seed of like, I could do something like this. Liminal Horror is a Goblin Archives game. And uh, yeah, and Liminal Horror, yeah, those are the ones. (laughs) (laughs) Those are, are, that's a good list. Good list. Love Sam. Love Will. Love Sam. Love I'm honestly just mad at Will because every time I look in a book that I like, there, there they are. Just like, God. There they are. There they Stop are. <laughs> I know you are finishing up this game. It's still to be kickstarted. There's still a lot to do. There's still to be kickstarted and delivered and all that stuff. But knowing Elliot and knowing other game designers that we've talked to, my guess is you've already kind of scratched the game designer itch. And I'm curious if there is a next game already <laughs> formulating in your head, despite you still having a lot of work to do on this game. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, 100% called out. Uh, Volume 3 is is probably going to be the next thing. Um, Hell yeah. And like, you know, the the 
the thing about this format is that I can, you know, someday I might do a volume that's just one ghost and it's, you know, more exhaustive in terms of the game design and, you know, might be played over several sessions. Um, but I think what's most likely is the snapshot ghost because I, I just, I would love to do it with absolutely every aspect of my life and just feel like I'm always interacting with the occult. It is very fun to have this kind of umbrella of 100% modern ghosts that then can have solo games, uh, multi-person games. You can make it a LARP. You can make it a, a puzzle. You you kind of have set yourself up to do anything you want to underneath this header. Exactly. And, and still I can, have it kind of feed into that. And I can ask other people to participate and make that part of fundraising goals for future versions. And, you know, they can take on the role of researchers or just themselves. So, you know, ambitiously, like wildest dreams, I'm picturing like an SCP type of situation. Like I I forget what it stands for, but it's that creepy pasta, 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 where everybody kind of follows the same kind of formula within this one universe. I'm excited to see it grow into something bigger. I bet it will. It's just like even, even just as like a designer listening, I'm just like, oh, I would love to play around in this in this world that's there's so many fun things you could do scary guy <laughs> that's i'm gonna so write the scary guy modern ghost supplement. yes yeah. oh. scary guy oh baby <laughs> just, just think of what kind of sadistic satanistic rituals he was trying to do by turning that picture frame and that picture frame 15 degrees <laughs> anti-clockwise and we were stopping him clockwise and, and we were saving we were saving our homes by by turning them back Foiled. who knows what rituals would have been completed in your homes and, and and to have existed in the epicenter of said ritual, boy, we were lucky. <laughs> yeah, brave. Brave young souls, all of us. So B, as we wrap this up, uh, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. We've got one more question that we like to ask everybody, and that is, what do you bring to the table? And this is our way of asking you for a recommendation uh, of something that you think our audience would be interested in. But specifically for this month, since it's Zine Month, I'm curious if there are any other Zine Month projects that you'd like to shout out that you're looking forward to or that you think will be incredibly fun. Is it is it too much of a thing if I say rom-com drama bomb? <laughs> no, you can say rom-com drama bomb. No, you can say rom-com drama bomb. I would love to say rom-com drama bomb. That is one that I'm extremely interested in. Um, I love anything involving a villain. So, yeah, very excited for that one. God, I've looked at so many, but I'll be honest, I'm drawing a blank at this very moment. <laughs> It's, it's fun when you were talking about scope creep earlier, going from one zine to two zines. Elliot has slowly realizing that he does not have scope creep, but I am his scope creep. <laughs> <How so? laughs> I just keep, he's like, oh, I've got this great game idea. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. I'm really excited for it. What if we did this too? <laughs> so, yes, that's just true. There was another game that was going to be my zine month game. But that game's now a box set game that will that will be developed oh, yeah. over the course of the next six to eight months. Hell and Elliot yeah. came with, with a great idea for a game. And I was like, this is so cool. And he's like, it's a zine. And I was like, no, it's not. And he was like, yes, it is. I was like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Let me convince, Let me take 30 minutes to convince you this is way more involved than that. And he was right. <laughs> and he was right. Rom-com Drama Bomb is going to stay a zine. It is going to be a zine. Except uh-huh. for maybe a special edition that might be announced. But, you know. Oh, my God. Uh, Scope creeps the son of a bitch. And yeah, Brian is definitely the worst of mine, but I get it. I've been there. Project Echo was supposed to be a zine, and then it was a perfect bound book. So, you know. And it's beautiful. These things happen. And it's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. 
Who laid that book out so nicely? I don't know. Who did it? <laughs> B, it was great having you on the show. Before we get out of here, do you want to tell the people where they can find you online and remind us again where we can find this project? Yes. Um, you can find me on Twitter or Tumblr, and my handle is B Marsolier. So that's B with an underscore and then M-A-R-S-O-L-L-I-E-R. You'll be able to find links to my Kickstarter page on any of my social medias. And uh, you could, if you're going to Breakout Con this March, come on by and say hi to me because I'll be there guesting. Us too. Yeah, maybe. We're going to have a blast. Yep. I, th- I think Will's going to be there too. I think Sam's going to be there. I think oh. a lot of people who are mentioned in this episode are all going to be there. The lineup. Yep. Jay will be there. Is wild. It's going to be such a good time. Yeah, we're still going to be hanging together, holding court. Yep. So come by and say hi. <laughs> holding court. Can I be the jester? <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's an Algonquin round table. That's the type of thing Sweet. we're doing. We, we got to get out of here before Brian throes another phrase like that out. <laughs> Ooh, you know what I can do real quick? Brian is hundred percent not modern ghost. <laughs> my, my most pedantic thing in the world when we mentioned uh, acronyms before is my the difference between acronym and initialism. Do you guys want to hear it, oh or should God, we get I out of here? Oh, oh we're and going. thank you. That's all the time we have. <laughs> Um, thank you so much, B, for joining us at the table thank today. Thank you so much for having me. We wish you the best of luck with funding 100% Modern Ghosts and for Volume 3, 4, 5, and beyond. <laughs> Bye-bye, Bye-bye, everyone. Hey there, it's Elliot from the Many Sided Media team. In addition to playing and producing here on My First Dungeon, I'm also a game designer known for such games as Something is Wrong with the Chickens, a rules-like game of chickens, eldritch horror, and revenge. Project Echo, a solo time travel game played in the pages of a planner. And the upcoming Rom-Com Drama Bomb, a three-player game of meet-cutes and mayhem. If you like weird and unique games and want to bring something new to your table, head to moreblueberries.shop and use code MYFIRSTDUNGEON for 20% off your order. That's M-O-R-E-B-L-U-E-B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot shop. Thanks! Hello and welcome to another episode of Talk at the Table for Zine Month 2024. Today we are talking with Luke Earl about the Field Agent Handbook's Observancy Department 1924 to 1928. It's a mouthful, but it is a very cool game and I'm very excited to talk about it. So Luke, welcome to the show. Hello. So Luke, to start, could you just give us the kind of elevator pitch for the Field Agent Handbooks? Yeah, so, ooh, can I? Yes, I can. So you have to go out and about into the world with your extrasensory perception as a pendulum dowsing field agent for the Ethereal Corporation's observancy department. So you're looking for suspicious activity to report into your notebook and send back to head office. And it's four notebooks. Yes, so there's four notebooks, one for each year, not including 1927. So it's about this fictional corporation that has this observancy department with its field agents. And each year they send them out into the world to look for a different thing. So in 1924, they're looking for suspicious animal activity. In 1925, uh, they start to get really suspect about leviathans hiding behind clouds. In 1926, they're like, actually, I think the plants are really trying to communicate with us. In 1928, they've gone, actually, I reckon there's giants living underground or we're living and now are underground. So it's it's all about trying to look at your surroundings and figure out what's going on there. 
I was looking through the the press kit for this, and I had a as I was looking through this, I had a very visceral memory from my childhood that I'd long since forgotten, and it was my mom used to get me this like mail in kit that would like arrive every month or something, and it was like a binder full of like. It was, it was a murder mystery type thing. And it was full of like documents and ephemera. And it was kind of like, you know, a, an individual module every quarter, or every month or something. And this really like struck that nerve in the best way of like being able to grab a new handbook anytime I want and have like a new play experience and a new mystery or a new adventure uh, was very cool. I'm not familiar. I kind of vaguely know what a dowsing board is and what a, a dowsing pendulum is. Just for anyone who doesn't know what that is, uh, what is that? Oh, well, uh, so a dowsing pendulum is made up of a chain and a bob. Um, the bob can be any heavy object, um, whether that's a crystal or a marble, or in the case of these books, a key. And the chain could be anything, whether it's a chain or a bit of string. But yeah, I wanted to try and make something which you could use anywhere. Um, so that you, could, you wouldn't have to roll dice. You could actually just, you could have it on you at all times. And also helps because it can get you in your house <laughs> after you've been out. And what's the upper, like, what is the actual act of operating a dowsing pendulum? Just because I'm not familiar at all. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> hmm, it's funny. So you attach the key to the end of your string, um, hold the key about somewhere between five and 10 inches in your hand, and then you hold it over your dowsing board and wait for it to move. It's one of these things which it's it's a bit like tarot in that there's quite a lot of people who are like, this is very spiritual. This is, you know, I'm sensing the vibrations of the universe through it. Uh, and other people are just like, well, actually, maybe it's just sort of picking up on what you can see around you. And maybe it'll point you in a direction. So if it starts to swing in a certain direction, you can follow that direction. If it goes in loops, that's time to stop and look around you. But it's very much uh, an odd thing to be doing. Did you, did, did you ever read Tintin? As, as a child like no i never I read Tintin. no there's this uh comic that was written i think sometime in the early 1900s but there was this scientist who you'd go around in this bowler cap bowler hat green bowler hat and green jacket and he'd have this little pendulum and be like a scientist and be walking around going what's this what's going on here so it was in that so i think <laughs> in in my memory that sort of, sort of got triggered and that's sort of where the, the, the pendulum dowsing bit came from um, but I quite like the idea of that, it, it being a scientific tool uh, that people could go and use and tap into their ESP. There is something really, really fun about having a like piece of ephemera as part of a game, like having a an item that you... Because I, I feel like dice and coins and tokens, we're so familiar with them that it's not, it's not as exciting as it might have once been. But using a pendulum and, and a dowsing board and stuff feels very interesting and novel and fun and then you also still have this like kind of magical artifact of a key on a string that's just like in your pocket all day and every time you pull it out whether or not you're using it for the game you kind of have that memory of like oh this is like for like i could put this over a board and like see what what comes out it's very cool it's really tapping into some kind of like very childlike thing in me that i'm really loving <laughs> well that's good you know it's, it's, it, i mean games are toys i think at the end of the day and it, 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 i think that having like you say ephemera having, having something that you can grab hold of and uh, use i think is a quite an important thing and part of the game i think it's one of the things like why people like dice so much they're just like oh it's this thing it's this tactile thing that i can talk to the world with it is nice because it's a thing that you i think with dice and with a pendulum 
both of them, they kind of feel like things that you can control, but they're also not things that you can control uh, in a way that is very fun, both for storytelling and just for, you know, humanity, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) I also just love a little weighty knickknack. And like, I feel like Kiana's string just feels feels weighty. So Luke, one of the questions we're asking everybody that's coming on for Zine Month, and this is a bit maybe throwing you a curveball, but I was wondering if like, as you've made games, and is this your first game or have you released other games? No, so I've been going since 2019, no, 2020. 2020, okay. It's the first time I yeah joined in Zine Quest. I'm wondering if you would could define what your design ethos is in your in from your perspective in games. Ooh. <laughs> um, yeah, we're getting that same reaction from everybody so far. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Design ethos. I think if there's a thread that runs through them, it's probably that pattern matching of going, okay, well, where does the story lie? So where, where, where do things build up on? So Orchid Delirium was the one that I did in 2020, and that was about laying playing cards down. And it was about building up the story at the table, sort of going through prompts and going, okay, well, this is what's happening next. The next one that came along called Space, again, it's it's, it's a solo RPG, you're rolling dice, you're trying to build up this story. And I think there's something quite, I don't know, I, I, I find that kind of drawing threads together and putting them together and to make them into that story. I think that's probably the, the common theme that runs through most of my games is that there's so many different things which you sort of end up building either this concept in your mind or this story. It's a little bit like, um, oh, what's the word? Conspiracy theories. <laughs> so it's like, sure. And, and, and this, I think, very much so, because you are just sort of building this weird tapestry of mental pictures around it. And I'm curious kind of, what are the so so obviously the the dowsing rod is the main mechanic. What are the what are people finding within these notebooks, and what are they doing within? Is it all just writing, or like kind of based on the picture, it looks like there might be some different sorts of things within. So the first one, there's a couple of things. So in the front and the back cover, I've tried to make like a bit of a reference page. Um, so for example, the animals one, you've got potential signs of suspicious activity, which could be the animals staring at seemingly innocuous spots, uh, or it's got an over-adherence to governmental laws, that kind of thing. <laughs> in, the, in the back cover, I've got um, some weather symbols, so you can just note those down quickly as you're writing through the notebook. And then it follows with a front page where you can put your field agent name, um, and then there's a letter from the department director, uh, Dr. Carmichael, followed by equipment, and which is a key where you can draw around your key, and it sort of explains how you use it but you draw around it so you know it's definitely yours. Because um, if you end up with someone else's key, it's just, you know, bedlam. A little bit of orientation tells you how to fill out the notebook and then one to say how the ob- how you actually go about your observations, how you use your key and wh- what you do to look things. That's similar across all four of them. Then they start to differ a bit. So the animals one, you can draw a little map of your area and then you can go through each grid point and look each section and there's a page which matches each grid reference so then you fill out that using just nodes with the clouds one um you're drawing clouds you're trying to work out what the beaufort number is and whether the clouds moving faster or slower than the beaufort scale um you're trying to judge the size so there's a bit about that in there and also noting down what the kind of cloud type is so there's a little chart with the clouds in there with plants Again, you're sort of drawing these things out and trying to figure out what these things are and just noting them down. But yeah, the other three are a little bit more leaning towards drawing as well as a few notes. 
and then the animal ones mostly notes with some map drawing. It's cool. There's like a um, there is a sort of like mechanical system for acting like the agent. Like I, I like how much you're like forcing people to really engage with their surroundings. Like it's like draw and like make these sort of like scientific feeling measurements, but in such a way that doesn't feel like the way you're describing it, it doesn't feel like it will be work to do. It seems like it will be kind of like delightful and fun to do for all of these things, even though it's like sounds technical and will feel technical when you're doing it, but doesn't have the stress of like doing trigonometry or, or what have you, maybe. <laughs> oh, I hope so. You know what it kind of has the feel of is like, I almost kind of like a, like a paint by numbers thing. How I know, I know a lot of people have, uh, in the same way that like people like coloring books, it's like a very meditative process. But this is just like a much more creative version of that because it's like you are being very specifically guided, but within the lines that you're given, there's a lot of room to draw your own thing. Yeah, very much so. It gives you that. I mean, you can engage with it as much as you like. Whether you just want to jot down a quick cat's looking weird <laughs> and it's raining, <laughs> you could do that, or you could go cat's looking weird. It's raining. I think it's up to X, Y, Z. And you can really engage it. It depends on how much you want to put into it. But the the way I've tried to do it is so you can, you can either just go straight rope down the book or you can build it out into something much more. And like you say, meditative and do it at any time as well. So you don't have to, maybe you're just walking down the street and you're like, oh, actually that's a note. <laughs> you can just, because they're only small. They're just little A6 things. So you can just have them in the back pocket as well. Oh, nice. I really love how portable it is. Like so many game books are, you know, they're books and you can you can read them, but you're not really like carrying them around like in your back pocket. Whereas this, you can put in your pocket along with your key on a string. And it's like, whenever you're waiting for a bus, you can pull it out and do a couple of minutes of it. It is, yeah, it's really, I also love the idea of, there are, like I said before, like with these, you know, mail-in murder mystery things that I got as a kid, I like that I can like grab the Animal Kingdom Revolution one. I can grab the Leviathan Age of Flight one and like have a different experience and like play through an entire one and then get a, grab a new one. And it also feels like a, a great format for something if you wanted to continue it to do more supplement, like more field agent handbooks in the future. I, th- I think I have one more in me at the minute, <laughs> which which is 1927. Um, but that, that that that's not quite fleshed out. Yet. I was going to ask whatever happened to 27. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's mostly red acted in 1928, so it's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> We're still waiting to find out <laughs> <laughs> yes. whether it appears during the during the next couple of weeks. We'll we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, it's something about temporal realignment. But we'll, yeah, I need to. I need to see if I can piece together some bits from the bin that I might have found somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I've tried to. It's funny you mentioned like when you're a kid, you get all these exercise books at school as well. I was kind of trying to yeah. get some of that in there because you get these these just coloured card booklets, and you're supposed to fill them out in the answers. Um, so I think that's got quite a big influence on it too. Yeah, I really love something about a lot of solo games, but this feels really particular is like the idea that you are also creating an artifact like these these handbooks become Mm -hmm. like story artifacts, but also for you, the player become artifacts of like what you went out and saw and and like. I always talk about like I used to talk about because I used to take photos a lot that like photos always make me remember things better. Like when I can like look back at them and I'm like, oh, I remember the day I took that and where I was and all that. And I feel like this is one of those things where like you have a really interesting kind of um, fantastical story that you're also can then be like, oh, I remember I took this to like the park and I spent 
three hours in the park, which is a thing I you know never normally would do. So I love that. I love artifacty games. I, th- I think that there is something in it, and they are made there. I've tried to make them so that you don't feel bad about writing on them. <laughs> Because I feel as though that might be a bit of a people are like, oh, I've got this thing, and like, now no, no, I need to keep it safe and keep it secret. No, don't keep it secret. Um, tell everybody. No, so it's 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 um, it was a story I heard some time ago. It was like they they tried putting tokens into D and D magazines and get people to cut them out, and nobody would do it because they were like, but then I'm going to destroy my magazine. So I am a bit concerned about that. But they are made to be written in to make that into that artifact to like you know, throw them in a bag and make them messy and all the rest of it. I think that having four of them will definitely help with it. Because if I had just one of them, I'd maybe be precious with it. When there's four of them, I'm kind of like, yeah, great. Okay, I'll, let's play through them. Let's go through. Uh, yeah. No, I, I love it. Ah, oh, this is, I really like this idea. It's just very Yeah, it's cool. very cool. <laughs> it's very cool. So I guess, Luke, one question I want to ask is sort of, where are you funding? Why there? And and then also just like why Zine Month? Why 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 is this a Zine Month project? What excites you about Zine Month? So I'm going back to Kickstarter, and that's because I know it. <laughs> I don't feel as <laughs> though so I've got the um, uh, energy or the headspace to try one of the others. What I am doing this time though is I'm going to use GameFound as a pledge manager, which is not something that I've done before. So I've done everything through Kickstarter. So what I'm kind of doing is seeing if I can wean myself off it by doing. Game found as the pledge manager and see how that all connects together and see see how it works. Why Zine Month? It's just fantastic. Um, so 2019 was the first Zine Quest, and I saw it going on. I was like, that looks great. And I ended up with um, Girl Underground, which was this powered by the apocalypse, Alice in Wonderland kind of thing. It was just so beautifully made. So you had this lovely colored card cover and lovely paper inside it. And it was just, you know, monochrome print. And I just got this thing. I was like, this, this is fantastic. I love this. Um, and you could do, it's just so, so nicely put together. I was like, I wonder if I could do that. <laughs> so next year, that's when I was like, all oh, right, okay, I'm, I'm going to get into this now. But there's such a buzz around it. And you've got all these people throwing in all these weird and wonderful ideas into this massive mix. Everyone is pretty supportive of everybody else. So it's all about, you know, hey, look at this thing over here. This is amazing. This is fantastic. And these are great. And everyone's like helping each other out. And, you know, it's, it, it's just quite nice, especially on now they've got the Discord up and now Zine Month has come in to help bolster the Zine Quest stuff when that all went weird for a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what they were thinking really, but. They seem to have righted themselves. Uh, Kickstarter, I mean, in terms of where they're heading now, but we'll see. Um, and I got to shout, in terms of like the community help, I have to shout you out. And I think this is you. You made a, you just made a, a website for folks to get their their scenes on to help out the the kind of past curators of the old website who are a little tied up this year, which is great. So we'll definitely include a link for people to drop their projects on that. What's that? What's the URL of that again? That's zinemonth.spread.name. Very catchy. <laughs> yeah. Incredibly catchy. But yeah, I wanted I want to shout out and credit you for for jumping on that just kind of out of the goodness of your heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, nothing seemed to be happening. And Tony earlier in the month had, had put on a thing with saying they were talking about trying to figure out what the where it was going and everything and saying how it was a decentralized thing. I was like, is it truly decentralized? Is it now is it, are you waiting for someone to join in? So I, I was like, I, I know Google Forms and I know spreadsheets. So I can help that. <laughs> so that's, I was like, okay, well, I can throw that together. That's all right. 
I should say, I didn't do the moth at the top. Uh, that was Alex C on the Discord. And I'm just, I want to make sure that's clear. And then as far as uh, your goals for this Kickstarter, first off, uh, this launches, I believe, February 6th. Yeah. Uh, and how long does it run for? 14 days. I'm still adhering to the old rules, such as they were. So yeah, it's, it's just 14 days. I don't think I can handle longer than 14 days. I mean, you, you, with 14 days, you still get that bit at the start and then dips off in the middle bit. Like a couple of years, I've had like people cancelling pledges and just like, oh no, it's now gone below the amount that I need to fund. But you know, it worked out all right in the end. So that was okay. Yeah. So funding goal is six hundred pounds. It's that's going to be quite simple. If we get up to two thousand, which is possible, we'll see. Then I'm going to improve the papers. So the colours are actually printed on uh, the basic version. But if we can get to that amount, then we can. I can actually go to a local print shop and go. Hey, how's, how's it going? Um, you know that quote you sent me? How about this? Because the nicer papers, printing on actual coloured card instead of actually printing the colour on, you get a much nicer finish. And if it gets chucked in a bag, colour's not going to rub off as well. So it would be fantastic to get to that, um, but we, we'll have to see. I'm certainly hoping it does, because these look great. And then as far as uh, what people can get, what are the reward tiers that you have and what can people get if they help back this project? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Um, so there's digital tiers. Um, so you, there is uh, one handbook or four handbooks. The one handbook at digital, I think, is four. And I want to say the four handbooks is 15 at digital. And then it's double that on the physical. So one handbook is eight and four handbook is 30. And then I also have a book wrap. Do you know the like the Traveller book wraps that they have little elastic bands and you can put multiple oh yeah 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 so i'm, I'm making a felt i'm doing some felt book wraps um, with red elastic bands so you can slot all four books together and have them as one bit and there's going to be some rusty keys if anyone wants a rusty key or less rusty i've had them soaking in pepsi for about a month now <laughs> um i'm going to be uh, cleaning them up so that they're going to be little add-ons <laughs> just in case you nice. can't find your own key <laughs> so yeah and they're in there as well love that that's honestly appealing i could though i feel like i want the rusty key <laughs> that's the ephemera we're talking about yeah. that's some great deals oh and there's some button badges as well i got a button badge press uh, early last year and so now i'm just making little badges for everything nice um, so yeah we'll, there'll be some of those in there too so luke we like to end all of our conversations with a question what are you bringing to the table and this is just our way of asking for a recommendation for our listener from our guest and specifically for zine month we would love it if you could shout out uh, another zine month project that you would hope people would check out oh good question um hang on i've got a list <laughs> do you mind if i quickly run through <laughs> so, right. yeah you can run through multiple we'll take multiple yeah okay so the black wren is an impressionist game with no characters to embody a rural environment so you're like what, what's that about? Do you actually take on the persona of where these birds are flying? So that, I'm quite looking forward to seeing what that one's about. Um, Hick Tapestry, toilet roll paper game, uh, tell an epic story depicting epic events uh, crafted from a roll of toilet paper. Love that. Wild. Like, what's not to love there? <laughs> radish Quest, a radish-filled TTRPG adventure. It's like these weird kind of like I was mentioning earlier, there's just so much creative creativity being chucked in. It's the stuff that you're not seeing at the game store. You're like, ooh, I want to try that weird one. I want to try that yeah. super <laughs> funky one. Give me a little taste of that. Yeah, right? It's That's like, what February is for. It's trying the unique vintages. Yeah. Oh, there's two more. Uh, Hikonodo has been putting a load of stuff onto Twitter uh, for Miru 3. 
So I've been mm. really enjoying watching those come through. And also, Laurie O'Connell is doing Death Game. Quite looking forward to that one because I'm doing the layout for that. Um, as oh, well. nice. So nice. We shall, we shall see how that turns out. But that's a bit like a battle royale down to one final winner, but that's going to be interesting. I am not surprised at all that the person who made a website for all the games has five recommendations for us, and we appreciate that <laughs> so much. Uh, you've been Sorry, but there's there so much. <laughs> so much good out there. No, no, that's perfect. We're going to link those all down in the description, baby. Yeah, they will all be linked. Um, last but not least, Luke, do you want to let people know where they can find you and where they can find the field agent handbooks? I am Ethercorp Games across all the socials unless i've missed a social which is quite possible because there's so many now and they can get to the actual page by going to ether.click forward slash field agent and that should take them to the kickstarter page awesome and that will be linked in the show notes along with all your great recommendations thank you so much luke for coming to the table and we wish you the best of luck with funding the field agent handbooks it's gonna be great thank you very much bye-bye everybody bye everybody okay bye Thank you once again to B and Luke for joining us for this third Zine Month special episode. This is the second to last Zine Month special episode, so stay tuned next week for our very last one. It has been a wonderful month, and there are still so many great projects to check out. And if you want more gamey content from us, check out the 20-sided newsletter and the many-sided media Discord. Those are both linked below. And that's what the table is talking about. Bye-bye, everybody. If you're looking for more great gaming content from everyone here at Many Sided Media, you should consider subscribing to the 20-Sided Newsletter. It's a free, bi-monthly newsletter for people who love games, make games, and just love making games. To subscribe, just go to 20sidednewsletter.substack.com or follow the link in the show notes.